1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive, Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, Price and Coverage Match Limited by State Law.
0: Welcome into a special edition of Inside Carolina Podcast where Taylor Vipulis and I will be discussing off-season questions uh, for North Carolina football. head into 2023 with a generational type quarterback, Taylor, and I think one of the number one things that folks are a little bit nervous about when they watch this team or when they are, are getting expectations at a level for this team is, is how the offense will fare, and Chip Lindsey is in, Randy Clements is in, Phil Longo, Jack McNell moved on to Wisconsin, We know what Phil Longo's offenses were able to do for the most part the last four years. My first question to you and the question for this discussion is, will North Carolina's offense be improved in 2023? Let's get into it. What do you think, Taylor? This is, folks are nervous because they don't want Drake Mays last season or expected last season to be, quote unquote, wasted in Chapel Hill. How, How does this team improve offensively next year?
1: Yeah, everybody, you mentioned it, Phil Longo. You kind of knew what you were getting with the Phil Longo offense. It was going to be very explosive for, for four seasons, year in, year out. It was a top 25 offense. You look at the quarterbacks that he had, Sam Howell into Drake May. And it, shockingly, from, from Sam Howell, who everybody said was Carolina's, one of Carolina's best quarterbacks ever, you have an even better quarterback in Drake May, which seems impossible to say, but that was pretty clear the second you saw Drake May. But from listening to Mac Brown talk this offseason, it feels like Phil Longo and what Phil Longo was trying to do offensively is being used as almost like a scapegoat for for why they they faltered towards the end of the season. It was a, a predictable offense. It was an offense that relied... Way too heavily on Drake May, both with his arm and using him as a rusher. And I think the 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 hope with bringing in Chip Lindsey and, and Randy Clement is that this North Carolina team can be a a more balanced attack. You look at UCF last year under Chip Lindsey, even though he wasn't calling the plays, he still has his fingerprints all over that offense. They were they were ninth rushing. Um, they were the ninth best rushing offense in the country. So I think the hope bringing him in is that this Carolina team can find more of a balance in the run game, because for the most part, the, the run game was non-existent for Carolina and it led to a lot of their issues in the red zone in, in particular, where this team just, they, they seem to get bullied in short yarded situations and, um, it's it's why their their red zone touchdown percentage was sixty uh, first in the country, even though they had a a top twenty five total offense, top twenty five scoring offense.
0: Yeah, and that's always been the issue. And, and Mac, you know, while everybody was talking about the defense um, on the fan side, Mac was harping on the offense and their inability to close the deal in that red zone. One thing for me, and I want your take on this in my opinion Drake may cannot lead this team in rushing and they be as successful as um folks expect them to be or hope that they are in 2023 i mean he he gained 937 yards last year of course he had sack yardage so he's just under 700 uh, on the year but that led the team by 140ish yards Elijah Green second Um, Mariana Hampton down, and then nobody really stepped up in the running back. How does that change for this team to get Drake out of that being such a huge part of that aspect of the offense? He's great at it, but you don't need your quarterback leading the team in rushing. You don't need your quarterback taking shots that Drake took during the year doing that. Again, yeah, too way too reliant uh, on Drake May to be a lot of the
1: times for this North Carolina team, it felt like they were sending Drake May out there and saying, you know, save us, make make plays happen with your legs, with your arm. Um, I think the thing that could help the rushing attack first and foremost is just having the guys healthy, where it, it's hard to have a leading rusher where you have somebody like Elijah Green who gets hurt and, and is playing with a club on his Hand for, for some of the season. Caleb Hood is another guy who has been in and out of, of lineups where his status going into a game feels questionable. Um, almost every time you had two true freshman running backs last year in Omar and Hampton and George Petaway, who were you, you ask anybody around the football program, the two names coming out of training camp that everybody was excited to see Omar in Hampton, George Petaway. But as the season progresses, they they do look like freshmen. And that's not to say that they can't be great players or they won't be great players. But it's it's still a learning adjustment going from the high school game to the college game. And even though they were getting these rave reviews out of training camp, it's still going to take them some time. And then you bring in somebody like British Brooks who misses the entire season um, with a knee injury out of training camp. And all of a sudden, the the UNC has five, I would say five above average running backs at their disposal. So having all five of those guys healthy is going to take a lot of pressure off of Drake May, not having to be the guy all the time and not having, you, you have to have some kind of continuity at the running back position where it doesn't just feel like a rotating door. And then I think this North Carolina team has to show that they can run the ball to to win football games. It's going to open up the offense for Drake, and there's there's been more of an emphasis with the the two new hires on the offensive staff for Carolina winning more north and south and and less east and west when it comes to the running game and just being a, a more downhill attack. Uh, but I think a lot of this is is going to fall onto the offensive line who. For the most part, I think the offensive line for for this Carolina team is pretty underwhelming when you take into account all the the talent elsewhere. So I think that's something that they'll have to figure out as well.
0: Yeah, let's stick with the running back for a second. I do want to get to the offensive line portion of this um, because I think that's a very key thing. I mean, they've had more continuity on the offensive line than most teams have. And I don't know if it's paid off totally. But in the running back room, you mentioned all the bodies. Uh, they had that last year. Nobody really stepped up. Caleb Hood tried to, gets hurt. Um, British Books, of course, out. How many, feasibly, and you've been around the game for a long time, played on the team, feasibly, how many running backs can they play and have any kind of consistent success? I mean, it's it's two or three at tops, right? But yet you have five or six in that room that are qualified.
1: Yeah, I listed five names realistically you're going in if everybody's healthy three at best and I think you're going to look for two to three that that do things differently where it's not like you're repeating backs in the same backfield like I think back to the 2015 team I'm pretty sure we we were pretty steady with with three running backs where Elijah Hood was kind of that every down back a, a bruiser could get you those short yardage situations TJ Logan was a was a do it all back, but more, more speed than somebody. Then TJ had more speed than somebody like Elijah. And then Romar was kind of, he could, he could catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, He was probably our our best receiver back him, him and TJ, but all three of them brought a a different skill set to the table. So when I'm looking at this North Carolina running back room, the, the guy that I see being the most likely to be an every down back is British Brooks. I think I've seen enough from him in, in the, the limited amount of snaps he's gotten to be a physical guy. He has the body to be able to be a, a three down back and take a, a majority of the carries. Now you have to see how he looks coming, coming off a knee injury. Um, so for, for who is most likely to be the every down back, I would have it between British Brooks and Omar and Hampton. I, I think those two guys look the most like every down backs. Caleb hood is just a, a huge question mark. Um, you you want to see him succeed every time he talks it. He's you can tell he, he's such a great kid, but like I had mentioned earlier, it does feel like every week there there's some kind of nagging injury. And you start to wonder, is that something he can get past? Um, Elijah Green has looked good in, in, in the limited games that he's played. He had that one stretch last year where, where he started to take over and looked like an every down back. And I think the one guy that we've seen the least from, but he has the potential to have the, have that ability that I was talking about where he, he could do something that a lot of the guys can't do is somebody like George Petaway, where he's probably, he would probably be the best receiving back option out of those five, out of those five guys that I listed And Petaway, Petaway from all accounts is a guy that you try to get him the ball in space and, and he'll do the rest.
0: Yeah. And and like I said, for me, Drake may cannot lead this team in rushing. So they've got plenty of options there. I agree with you. I'm not 100% sold on British Brooks. That's probably a, a naive take um, because he's proven um, where, well, – let's be realistic. He's proved it in two games that he can be the guy, and then he was hurt all last year. So it'll be interesting how that shakes out. Um, obviously, like Hampton, he's going to have to improve. But I agree that Petaway is sort of the X factor there. Petaway is the guy um, that gives them a splash – type running back that can make somebody miss and all how they use him so you so you've got drake you've got a running back room and then you have wide receivers and i think everybody makes the the uh, mistake of trying to compare tez walker and mccollum to maybe dimey brown and josh downs or antoine green and josh downs they're different guys just sort of speak to somebody like walker who brings a dynamic to North Carolina that they haven't had since Diami? but uh, he's different. And then Nate McCollum, I think is a little tougher on the inside than many people might think.
1: Yeah. My, my hottest or, or boldest take, I think going into the season is that um, Tez Walker is going to be an easy, an easy first ballot, um, all ACC first team guy. I think he's, from what I've seen, he looks to be the most complete wide receiver that North Carolina has had in, in quite some time. He has the consistency. He he looks like a, a developed receiver. And I think I think when when him and Drake May take the field for, for the start of the season, I think it's gonna be pretty obvious right away that he is Carolina's number one type receiver. He reminds me Diami is a good comparison, but he also reminds me a bit of Anthony Ratliff-Williams when when Rat went to wide receiver where he's just a, a really big body. He separates from people so easily. The thing where he kind of stands out from somebody like Ratliff is I think he does have more consistency to his game. And he looks more polished as a receiver where it's not just a, a raw athlete that you're putting in there. Um but I I think it if I had a bet today, the thing that I'm the most sure about, I would put um, a good amount of money on on Tez Walker being a, a first team All ACC guy if if he could stay healthy. There's a reason why when Drake May um, this offseason was discussing you know future NIL, a lot of his um, decision was in making sure that North Carolina put the resources to getting talent around him. And there's a reason why they went out and identified Tez Walker as, as that guy from, you know, the, the second he, he was in the portal. And when you have a a Heisman caliber player like Drake may, he's going to have to find receivers. Tez Walker would be that, that first guy. And the other guy you mentioned, Nate McCollum, I don't think, a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people mention other receivers at Carolina, and when again, when it comes to the NIL, I know Carolina didn't go out and, and get these two guys for Drake May with Drake May in mind for for them not to be playing. the The idea when they went out to the portal was, we need two to three starting caliber players immediately for for Drake May. So. You have a, a generational type quarterback at, at um, in Drake May, so they have to maximize that short window that they have. So they identify Tez Walker. They identify Nate McCollum. Nate McCollum is – you don't want to compare him to to Josh Downs, but it, that would be the most uh, similar comparison in terms of their play style where, where they're going to win in between the numbers – um, an, another guy where you you let him get the ball in space um, and kind of let him do the rest. I think the the other names you kind of have to look out for for the receiver room is is somebody like JJ Jones who's shown flashes Kobe Pesor, who in the the opportunities he got last year when when Josh Downs was out looked pretty good. Um, so I think there's enough talent there at receiver between, Walker and McCullum to where Carolina can get a little creative in, in trying to figure out who that third or fourth guy is going to be. Um, I know the name that everybody wants to see for Carolina is somebody like Andre Green Jr. Who's going into his, his true sophomore year. The only thing I would caution with that is that I think the, the, the talent level that he was going up against in, in high school was, um, it, he wasn't playing in, in the best conference or, or against the best guys. So I think his learning curve in getting up to speed with, with the college game isn't going to translate into being a, a you know, 500, 600-yard type receiver just two years in. I think he's going to be a guy who it, it takes a little bit more time to um, get him up to speed. But I think that's why you go out and you get a, a Walker or McCollum, guys who – are developed at the college level and, and can be immediate impact guys. So you're not just forcing Andre Green Jr. into a role just because you need him to uh, kind of step up into a, a role that he's not ready for yet.
0: Yeah, he flashed against Oregon and made some plays. So if he continues that development, but I agree Walker and McCullum are kind of those immediate stopgap type guys that can come in and allow the young guys. And we didn't mention Gavin Blackwell who played well. I, folks forget that, Green and Downs missed App State and Georgia State. And Drake, you know, they put up 60-some points against App State with them and had some success. So the receiver room, and we can't not talk about the tight ends, and I didn't really intend to go player for player, but that's how it's kind of working out. Because I think it all matters in making sure that folks understand how this offense can be improved, even with Longo gone to Wisconsin. The tight end room is stacked. And you mentioned – the running back room, having three guys with different skill sets. I think that's exactly what the tight end room has. Um, John Copenhaver has has shown his abilities, Kamari Morales, and then everybody's high on Bryson Nesbitt as one of those freak type, um, big receiver slash tight end guys. How did they improve this year? Because they were pretty daggone good last year.
1: Yeah, that that is one of the best rooms that, that Carolina had last year where, Nesbitt goes for over 500 yards, Morales goes for over 300 yards, Copenhagen goes for over 200 yards and they that room combines for eight total touchdowns. I think they're they're a position group that's going to help out Carolina in the red zone a, a tremendous amount. Morales feels like he's a magnet for the ball in, inside the the 10-yard line. Nesbitt is a guy that possesses a a ton of mis, mismatch abilities where you, you split them wide and all of a sudden there's a, a five 11 corner against him. You, you do feel confident enough to throw up, throw up that jump ball. And the, the biggest thing with the tight end room you hit on it is that they have such great complementary abilities where, where Copenhaver is a great blocker. Um, Morales is is a solid blocker that's probably the the one area where where Nesbit has to improve the most as as a a blocker to see him on the field more because from a, a receiver standpoint he's closer to a receiver than he is a, a true tight end um, so that's where you would want to see him improve just just because when when you're out there with somebody like Drake May at times I think you have to just think, let me get the four best athletes on the field because Drake may is going to find everybody else. And Morales is a guy where you, you look at him, his measurables, and, and there's really nothing there that blows you away, but he's, he's still finding ways to be the starting tight end. He finds ways to get open. He is, I think he's Carolina's all time leading touchdown Um scorer for, for the tight end position and you think of some of the tight ends that have come through Chapel Hill uh, the Crumplers and the Ebrons like Morales Morales is the guy where I think fans and, and media kind of have an ability to, to count him out or have a tendency to count him out I should say um, because you see somebody like Bryson Nesbitt behind him and Nesbitt looks like the, the prototypical NFL type tight end um, but Morales is just finding ways to to um, stay on the field and, and find ways to be productive. And I think the, the tight ends can do a, a good job this year at taking some of that pressure off um, the Tez Walkers, the Nate McCollums, where if, if this Carolina team can establish a run game and they do have guys winning on the outside, the, the more players that are playing at an all ACC level, you're just going to open yourself up to to more one-on-one opportunities um, where defenses can't key in on on any one guy in particular. And with a quarterback like Drake May,
0: um, you, you give him one-on-one opportunities and, and he'll make you pay. Yeah, and I think a key part of that tight end room is Tez Walker's ability to take at least one and most likely two guys with him on every play down the field yep. and leave the, the middle of the field open. Uh, we hear by name Kamari Morales Magnet. That's your nickname, Kamari, if you're yep. listening to this. Because, so, I mean, you're right, the ball finds him, and, and he makes plays and makes catches. Uh, we're talking with Taylor Vipolis. This is a little special edition – podcast series burning questions or key questions for Carolina going into 2023 this is this is a big one I think that's why I started with it will the offense be improved in 2023 with new leadership in the coaching room and some new players on the outside or in the receiver room especially Taylor and also we're sponsored by Johnny t-shirt Johnny t-shirt.com can't forget those guys uh, they take care of everybody. Taylor, when I look at the offense, every everybody wants to say football starts in the trenches, and it does. Um, you can smoke and mirror, mirror points and yards on offense. Carolina had the ability to do that, but when we talked about the red zone straight out the gate, that comes down to the offensive line. And I mentioned the experience returning yet again for North Carolina. Uh, Randy Clements comes in comes from Texas or North Texas, but most people remember him at Baylor where they're still scoring touchdowns and running against Carolina. Uh, how does the offensive line really improve this year? Is it a pure focus on Lindsey and Clements and the techniques and the fundamentals and the, the attitudes and all that? Everybody wants to talk about certain players need to be playing. Uh, they're going to put the best ones out there and and, and to roll with. Your thoughts on how this offensive line is the ultimate decider of how good this offense can be?
1: Yeah, I think the, the first thing that I think of when when you say um, the points you just made is that for, for for the fans that want certain players to play, the coaches are in practices every day, and the coaches have a better understanding of where certain players are to where they where they're not playing they're they're not stashing somebody on the sideline with the thought like oh this this kid's not playing just because I don't want him to play or I don't want to win the coaches are putting the best players out there it's uh, it's some of the um some of the blame has to go on on players for developing at the same time and, as well as on on the coaching staff for for failing to develop players but the The offensive line for me for this Carolina team is the biggest question mark. And from from what all we've said so far, that, that kind of does make the most sense. You have Drake May at quarterback. I think he's – if he's not the best quarterback in college football, he's the second best quarterback in college football, depending on what your preference is between him and Caleb Williams. Uh, I think there's enough talent in the running back room. The, the running backs, they do have their faults where um, – uh, sometimes they, they run with their head down a bit too much and, and they don't find uh, the gaps when they are there. I think you have all ACC talent at receiver. The tight ends are great. But for me, this this offensive line is is pretty underwhelming and it's something I want to see how it changes with the new coaches because I think Carolina is, is going to try to bring back more physicality with their offensive line and, and winning North and South, like I had mentioned before. But I think the other way they can counter not having the best offensive line is is to show more of a willingness to to shift the pocket and, and to move Drake May around, which is something that I don't think if, – if you want to blame Phil Longo for, for anything, that would be one of my biggest critiques of the offensive system last year where – you you didn't have the best pass blocking at times, but you you essentially just made Drake a target, knowing that he was going to be contained in that pocket. But if if you do have um, a little more creativity to to shift pockets or to move the pocket, um, it ju- it just keeps defenses off balance. And and when you with a with an arm talent like Drake, I don't I don't think there's a throw that he can't make. He he proved that. Time and time again last year, um, but the, this team—it kind of g- goes back to the Fedora years where um, Chip Lindsey comes in and he, he says they want to play a, a fast, disciplined, and, and physical brand of football. Which I think I think every offensive coordinator in, in the country is gonna is gonna say something along those lines. But with this North Carolina team, it feels like the the physicality. And the ability to move north and south is what's hurting their offensive line the most. Um, we've we've had people like Jason uh, Jason Staples and, and Mike Ingersoll say that at times the the offensive line technique it isn't the best. And I, I have, I'll be the first one to admit when when I watch offensive line play, I'm not really watching offensive line play. I, I don't know what I'm watching too much there. So a lot of of a lot of what I say about offensive line falls back to the people that do know what and when they're when they have all these alarm bells going off about how poor north carolina's offensive line technique is and maybe that's why certain players aren't developing when when they're coming in as four or five star guys and you you look at their offensive line and it's you're it's uh essentially three transfers right gainer lampkin uh spencer rollin where Carolina's having to go outside the guys that, that they're bringing in to, to try to find talent. It's an offensive line that I think leaves a lot to be desired just because of how bad I saw North Carolina was last year in the short yardage situations where uh, third and one, fourth and one, those are those are spots where you should be pretty confident in getting one to two yards, but they get bullied at the line of scrimmage. Some of that, I think, could default back to Longo, where the the system he has is, is a pretty simplified offense, 20, 20-ish plays. You could have a, a certain predictability with, with your play selection, and then just having that system, it, it, it's it's a problem that... You know, we've we had with the Fedora teams where you want to play so fast that you you lose some of that physicality and and that kind of smash smash mouth brand of football. But I also don't think that just plugging um, a Chip Lindsey in equals that automatic red zone success. And, and that's something to watch as the year unfolds, because it's been an issue for him at previous stops where you look at UCF last year and, and UCF's red zone touchdown percentage, it was actually worse than Carolina's. Um, but I think the hope is that when you bring in somebody like Chip Lindsay and Randy Clement and you you're emphasizing physicality more that North Carolina has a lot better athletes than they're going to have at UCF where you also have, uh, a quarterback upgrade uh, a massive quarterback upgrade John Reese Plumley to Drake May to having somebody inside the 20 who, who's a lot better of a, of a of a decision maker and you have more athletes to spread the ball out to it, it, this is going to really come down to how well can can North Carolina win at those sh- short yarded situations so I think the 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 shortest answer to will the UNC offense be improved in 2023 comes down to will the offense be able to win in short yarded situations? Because if if they can do that, then I think that this offense should be good with, with the pieces that they do
0: have in place. Yeah, and I'm watching my scroll go by and I didn't put the question mark at the end of it, but it is the question. And I agree that the what you just said there at the end is the answer it is the numbers will not lie. And for North Carolina, you can put up four or 5,000 yards, uh, 6,000 yards, but it doesn't matter if you can't convert on the short yardage. And that bit Carolina a lot, and it bit them a lot in the losses to end the season. Uh, Plenty of talent. To quote Jason Staples um, when we talked about the defensive tackles the other day, uh, talent is not the issue. And so how will North Carolina improve? They addressed some issues in the uh, coaching staff. And now we'll see if it can be parlayed into success in 2022, 2023. Taylor Viplis, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you getting together with me. We've got a few more of these questions to answer in the offseason, um, but it is not long until Carolina opens the season against South Carolina when we start getting answers on the questions. Thank you for joining Inside Carolina, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, T-shirt.com. Taylor, appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate it.